I just learned the best spell of all. What's that? Sleep. Welcome back to My Alchemical Bromance. This is Eric Arneson, and I am here at Hopworks Urban Brewery with Jay Swafford, a Portland artist, a Picatrix aficionado, a magician, and the creator of the Picatrix Deccans, a collection of 36 talisman in a deck. There, I didn't have to say the Picatrix Deccan deck. No, no, yeah, that's uh, much less of a mouthful. Hi, hey, Hi. thanks for thanks for having me. Hey, you know, I'm, I, uh, I was so excited to discover uh, your work, and then I was even more excited to be like, holy shit, this guy's in Portland. So thanks for living in Portland. <laughs> hey, my pleasure. Yeah, I love this town. Yeah, it's, uh, and then, um, you know, when we got together last time, like I, the Picatrix is such a weird thing. Yeah. And when, you know, when I saw your work, it was, you know, I mean, I could tell that it was inspired, but it still doesn't necessarily mean like, I didn't expect to get to, to meet you and then have a conversation that turned into all the weird stuff that we talked about. Like, I didn't uh, think that you, I didn't know that you would actually know the Picatrix. Maybe oh yeah. you just knew that one chapter and you're like, oh, these are cool images, I'm going to make a deck. But uh, it turns out your Picatrix is more beat up than any Picatrix I've seen. <laughs> so I've, you spent a lot of time in there. I've carried it around a lot and yeah, I've uh, read a bunch of it and I had notes in the margins and stuff. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I really enjoy the book and I've um, been spending a few years studying it uh -huh. and, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you find it originally? What led you to the Picatrix? Um, I was uh, listening to Pope Runyon's uh, oh, podcast, um, my uh, The Hermetic Hour. He's my dream wizard grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> like, he travels around the country doing I, initiations. We should, we should invite him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I was listening to that, and he was talking about the Picatrix, and I had... Uh, gotten out of art school at that point and was have been interested in, in magic and astrology and all this stuff for like my my whole life basically mm -hmm. my um, my my mom likes to tell a story where she was returning some library books to the little country library where I grew up and um, they were all like time life books paranormal uh -huh. exploration stuff and like a that whole part of the Dewey Decimal System is like zero zero one, and the uh, they were late. Those books were late coming back to the library, and uh, uh, the librarian joked with my mom that uh, I could conjure the twenty five cent uh, late fee. But uh, yeah, my whole life I've always <laughs> been into this stuff, and um, went to art school mm -hmm. and was listening to Pope Runyon, and he was talking about uh, using images as a magic medium. And that really sparked my interest. I was like, oh, this is something I definitely need to get into. And he talked about the Picatrix being like the, the manual for that kind of thing, the, uh, the, the ultimate kind of um, uh, book about that. And so that's where I got started. And, and based on listening to that podcast, I, I bought the Christopher Warnock version of the Latin Picatrix, which uh -huh. was out at that point. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I've been digging through it ever since. And that was probably... 2012? Yeah, 2013, I mean, that's kind of right when like that, that came... When did they release it? It was 2008? I think it was 2012. 2012? Let's yeah. see when mine is copyrighted. Yeah. So my, this is copyrighted 2010. Yeah. And then I think... Oh, yeah, in the back. So the, I think it was printed on demand. Yeah. It says 23 October 2011. So I guess that's when I got so it, you got 2011. It, you got it pretty much right after it came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's... It's such an interesting book. Like, there's so much stuff going on in there. You can tell... I mean, they don't really hide the fact that it's kind of a 
compilation of different works. You right. know, so you'll get like the the mansions of the moon are in there twice, and yeah. you know. Th- but the Deccans part, like the thing that's so interesting about the fact that you made a deck uh, out of the Deccan images, is that uh, like when you go to like Golden Dawn Tarot and stuff, yeah. those things have Deccans associated with them already. So right. you've kind of like taken it in a weird full circle sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then so like your style like. You did a really interesting thing with the style of the artwork too, where you didn't go, um, you didn't like try to replicate medieval Arabic manuscripts mm-hmm. or medieval monk pictures or whatever. You just went like modern. I don't know how to describe the style, but it's like a modern collage-based thing where you do right. painting and collage. And yeah, yeah. So these are uh, yeah mixed media, and the way I so I went to school for photography, and uh-huh. so it's. Um, like my main uh, art media is is photography, and so um, before I made these, I had a kind of a change in studio arrangements. Mm-hmm. So uh, I moved, and I had less studio space, but I had a thing called a copy stand. Yeah, and this is it's an old technology from back when graphic arts was photo based, like in the fifties or sixties, and basically it's a plate or a table with an arm that holds the camera above the plate. So the camera looks directly down on that little table. And so what I've done with the Deccan cards is I've... It's collage-based, sort of, but it's more assemblage. So, like, I painted a background, and then I'd cut figures out of magazines or construction paper, and I'd assemble it under the camera and then shoot the photo of it. And then... So it's... They're all photographs of, like, collage assemblages. Oh. How big... Did the assemblage like how big were they? So the uh, the plate that I put them all on are sixteen by twenty. Is okay. sixteen by twenty. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and when you, how did you? Um, what inspired you? Like when you did you do each uh, card individually? Did you spend like a lot of time on each card? Like how did you know what the image was going to be? So I, yeah, that's a good question. I've been thinking about this project for a long time like I've wanted to do the this uh, series of photos for a while and I've been kicking around various ideas of how to do it uh-huh. I thought maybe oh I'll I'll dress people up in costumes and have them uh-huh. uh, act out some kind of t- tableau but I'm not really excited about people so much and so <laughs> I uh, wanted yeah. to not use it I wanted to interact as little as possible with other people uh-huh. and so um, I did this with the copy stand thing, uh, and I had quit my day job uh, in May of 2017 in kind of a huff, and then I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an artist now. <laughs> uh, and I had gone to art school and had varying um, amounts of success at doing that. Yeah. And so then I did this project, and really it was just inspiration at the moment. Uh-huh. I would just... I didn't do them in any order. I uh, just picked one more or less at random that kind of inspired me. And I, I made that picture, just built it in the moment. And so I went into it knowing what the poetry was from uh-huh. the list. But I didn't, beyond that, I didn't really have a, a firm grasp on what it would look like. At, but I, I composed it as I was making it. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Okay, yeah. yeah. I didn't plan it out uh-huh. for each one. I just started building. And then and it kind of came together and you just sort of knew. Yeah, yeah. Uh, After a few different versions, like there, yeah. were, there were many instances of trying something, 
shooting it, looking at no, 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 that's wrong, scrapping uh -huh. it and trying it again. But yeah, basically. How long do you think the whole deck took you to put together? Six months. Six months? That's yeah. actually not bad. Yeah, not bad. It was, I considered it my full-time job at the point, yeah. and uh, so that's what I did. I was at the table cutting up paper and, uh, and assembling these things, and yeah, 36 images over the course of about six months. Well, um, so I've got the new Picatrix here, Dana Trell's Picatrix. Yeah. Uh, let's look at some of the the Deccan cards and compare them to the new translation and see if they that still match up yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, uh, what page, What chapter of the Deccan's in? I totally... Oh, uh, let's probably, see. I should know this off the top of my head. Oh, wait, there's an index. Oh, my God, you guys. The new Picatrix has an it's, index. It's uh, book two, uh, I want to say, like, chapter six or something. Shoot, okay. I don't even remember off the top of my head. Book two, I'm probably chapter totally wrong. 11. Uh, I let's see, Venus, <laughs> Venus, Mercury. There's chapter nine. Oh, did I get it wrong? Chapter eight, chapter seven. Well, I conveniently in my copy, I have a bookmark from when I was doing this project, and oh yeah, I'm totally wrong. It was book two, but chapter eleven. Ah, all right, I'm close. Yeah. Uh -huh. Here we go, on the on the images of constellations, faces, and their effects. Yes. All right, what do you got there? The first face uh, of cancer. First one, yeah, first face of cancer is one I have up here. Okay. And how you want to do it? Do you want to read yours, or should we describe the card? Let's describe the card, and All then right. we'll read it and see how close how close uh, our description is. All right, so let's so see. That sounds good. So, uh, yeah, first face of cancer here, I have um, a yellow background, and on top of that, I have... Uh, dark green fig leaves of varying colors and on top of that I have a uh, man's head but yeah. it looks like he's got a horse body horse body a man's head and an anatomical hand and both the hand and the head have been cut into slices and then reassembled slightly off kilter yeah and then down below the fig leaves there are human feet or anatomical yep. feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah anatomical feet. Uh, so the some fig leaves form a little kind of skirt yeah. uh, around them. Um, and then you've got Venus and Cancer down below there. Why Correct. Venus? Is that mentioned in the book? It, sort of, yes. Okay. So I extrapolated Venus, but at the beginning of Chapter 11, they talk about the Chaldean order and how of the planets and how that fits into the... Uh, the, the into the Deccans, okay, right. Okay. And the example they say is, okay, it starts with... Uh, the first face of Aries is Mars. And then and it just goes in order. And then it goes called the in order from okay, there. Okay, yeah. cool. So, and then uh, by the time we get to first face of Cancer, it's down to Venus. Okay, cool. All right, let's see what, uh, let's see what Dan says here. All right. In the first face of Cancer ascends a man with crooked fingers and a bent over head. All right. His body is like a horse. He has white feet and fig leaves cover his body. This is the face of instruction, knowledge, love, subtlety, and craft. This is its form. Yeah. Well, yeah, you got it. So there, yeah, there's some the subtle fingers. differences from the the Christopher Warnock, uh, yeah, Greer and uh, John Michael Greer version. Wait a minute, I gotta find it again. Uh, chapter two. It's the red right two, here. Chapter eleven. Yep, chapter 11 right there, and uh, first face of cancer, there rises in the first face of cancer, a man whose fingers and head are distorted and slanted, oh. and his body is similar to a horse's body. His feet are white, and he has fig leaves on his body. 
This is an, a face of instruction, knowledge, love, subtlety, and mastery. This is its form. Ah, so it's very similar, yeah, yeah. but but some uh, slight differences. Yeah, it, this is interesting. This must be a more literal translation, a bent over head. Yeah, that's yeah. curious. Yeah. yeah, as opposed to slanted. Oh, wait, yeah, distorted and slanted. Yeah, and crooked fingers. So, well, you definitely got it, and it's interesting that, uh, you know, a bent over head or a distorted head, like, it's kind of cool how that matches up. Yeah. And, and I like also how you managed to do the whole thing where, like, his body is like a horse. Mm-hmm. I literally used white. a horse's body. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's about as like a horse as you can get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so how do you use the cards? So there's a couple of different ways you could potentially use them. Okay. And the way I had it originally intended was for uh, each of the cards to be uh, basically a, a, a talisman in itself. Uh-huh. So theoretically, one could take one of the cards, like the first face to cancer, and you, if you wanted the influence of this talisman, you could do a little ceremony with it and using this card specifically, empower it as a talisman as opposed to like making something out of wax or or wood or whatever Uh so in theory i've already made the image for you and it's for you to empower it and then it could be the or consecrate it and then it could be a talisman uh, influencing things so um a lot of the stuff in the picatrix has to do with uh, astrological timing as well like electional timing um how would you find the right time for uh, a talisman would you for instance, want to pick a time when Venus was in the first phase of Cancer, or would you want Venus to be aspecting the first phase of Cancer? Like, what would you look for? Uh, the first thing that I would look for is the first phase of Cancer being on, on the ascendant, basically. Oh, okay, okay. And then um, the moon itself being um, not afflicted. It would depend on the intent. Right. But the moon matching the intent. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, ideally, if you could have Venus n- nicely aspected or actually in the first phase of Cancer, that would be ideal. Cool. And especially if it was on a Friday. <laughs> you want as many as many good things as possible. Right, right. Yeah. I love, uh, one of the things that I love about electional astrology is, like, nothing is ever perfect, right? right. You've always got a good excuse. Well, it didn't work because... Um, Saturn was having an off day. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I've, I've heard people literally say that, that no yeah. election is perfect. You're always yeah. going to have something weird about it. Yeah, and the more sources you use, the more confused you get, right? So, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I've been working with electional astrology, and it has been a challenge to not, like, pick up another book and see what it says. Yeah. You know, I'm, so I'm just trying to stick with just the pick of tricks, and I'm mm-hmm. making... So I made a checklist. I think I sent it to you. Where it's just the stuff from the Picatrix. It's like, only worry about this. Don't look at another book. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially contemporary books. Oh, man. Yeah, especially <laughs> contemporary books. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I don't know. So I have a... Yeah, and it's just weird to see how... Uh, yeah, there, there are just so many ex- excuses for yeah. an election to not work. Uh, you really have to restrict it. And it seems like the further in you get... Uh, I keep learning like new bits of astrology somebody will say something and i'm like what the hell does that even mean <laughs> there was a, a new bit that i have not been incorporating into any of my work that i, I found in the picatrix Uh-oh. just just recently and i was reading about it and thinking about it so i can't remember exactly where it is i'd have to start digging through i think it's also in book two but it talks about how, index uh index yes. yeah so it talks about how a planet on the descendant gives the influence of the next level down from it so for instance 
Saturn on the descendant would give you the influence of Jupiter. Right. What? Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to know that. And so I've been like, yeah, I haven't been considering that at all. But I have been wondering, like, you know, the Picatrix talks about elections being, you know, ideally placed on the ascendant or the midheaven, and it really doesn't talk a whole lot about you know the the yeah. the bottom or the descendant right but uh when you look at other traditional sources they talk about the sect of a planet right where i'm not familiar with that term uh oh you're screwed <laughs> <laughs> so the sect. Um, the sect uh some of the the sect is whether the planet is more comfortable in the daytime or the night oh, right yeah yeah, right? yeah. okay so, yeah. like yeah. you know the moon has a night sect right. or uh and sometimes it's surprising, like, uh, and I can't remember them all. I, it should be easy to remember. It, obviously, the sun really likes the day. Time. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then... Is it like diurnal or... I, I can't remember what diurnal, two terms that I, I know. Diurnal and nocturnal, yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Course, but definitely. I don't remember... I don't know if that's how... I don't know if those are the terms used in sect. But uh, it's surprising. So, like, with the with the malefics and the benefics, there's, you've got one day and one night for each of them. You know, so... Oh, okay. So yeah. they aren't always... They're, it's not like both malefics like the nighttime. One of them likes the day. Mars, right? Saturn would be the night. Yeah. I would hope. So. I would think so. <laughs> I would think so too. But uh, but I can't remember, <laughs> so I'm not going to say yes. <laughs> yeah, there's a passage in uh, Jake Stratton Kent's uh, Geosophia, or maybe it's a Testament of Cyprian, where he uh-huh. talks about that. The, yeah, the, the sex. sex. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mercury's in the middle. It could be anything. Yeah, I've been talking to a lot of astrologers recently, and they're just full of like the the when they really get into it. Yeah. The 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 vocabulary they have is bizarrely complicated, and and when you start talking about it, you suddenly are stopping like, what the hell am I even talking about? <laughs> None of that would make any sense to anybody who just yeah. listened to me. <laughs> but supposedly the space weather is excellent today. <laughs> oh, very nice. Yeah, Excellent. yeah. Well, you yeah. know, because Jupiter is going retrograde on the 11th. That's going to oh, be... Um, I hadn't been paying attention. Yes. Oh, really? Oh, I'm dear. sure we won't notice, but we might. Yeah. I've been... Uh, yeah, so I've been concentrating on uh, taking my certification test in yeah. mundane life. The mundane world. I haven't, I haven't been paying a whole lot of attention to a bunch of... To the astrological weather, except that... For the past month or so, I've been tracking when the, when the moon changes mansions, and I've been trying to pay attention to, like, you know, solipsistic things that I notice around, like, uh-huh. oh, maybe this thing that I've noticed is indicative of the moon in this mansion, and trying to note those things. Yeah. yeah. I have a question okay. uh, about mansi- the moon mansions, the yeah. lunar mansions. So, in, um, in Warnock's book, yeah. The Mansions of the Moon... Uh-huh. He spends quite a bit of time talking about how he suspects that the the mansions of the moon should probably be tracked. Oh, I'm going to totally miss sidereally instead of tropically, right? I've been because, debating that myself. Well, yeah. because they're all named after the fixed stars and they're all associated with the fixed stars, and it's right. sort of like it's a totally different way of looking at astrological influence. So, I, I, how, what have you noticed? What do you think? He also says in that book uh-huh. that uh, it was considered more platonic or more um, like a higher level to consider these things in a tropical uh, zodiac just because it's more uh, more regular or more, um, I don't know what, I can't remember what term he used, but it yeah. was like, more, like closer to God or closer to an ideal as opposed to what's literally happening in the in the material world uh-huh. and so that that made it more important but 
I don't I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but so far I've been the way I've been paying attention to them has been the tropical zodiacs. But, yeah. And but yeah, I you mean you like think about the moon being right next to indicator stars, in theory though, that's the influence that's, the influence. that's yeah. pouring down on us. Yeah. Well in I love the you know, when you think about the the medieval model with the crystal spheres and stuff yeah. the moon is the closest one and right. the moon has to be in the right spot for any influence to hit us right, right, right. and the, the picatrix is very explicit about it pay attention to the moon in all of your workings yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah it, so i guess probably uh the right the thing to do to figure out which version of the mansions would be correct would be to find because it's a, it's off by about a sign Something like that. Yeah, it's significant. It's, um, yeah, so it would be basically you'd need to find a place where there'd be a really similar election. It would only be about a day apart, probably, but a very similar election so that you could do a talisman or an image on each day to see which one is more effective. I, I guess you could do that. I have, in, in my experience, it is... Uh, it, it, makes my head explode to try to conflate the two or uh -huh. make the two work together in some way yeah and it, which leads me to the conclusion that you just have to pick one or the other and then just stick with it so maybe it's hard to say yeah yeah i guess uh, <laughs> that's one of the things that i think um a lot of people a lot of magicians who are playing around with electional astrology and they yeah. get so bound up and like i'm never finding the right election yeah at some point you just have to be like the skill of the magician is a very large uh, indicator or a very large component of how the image of the talisman comes together and sure. maybe you just got to go do it and practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I am under the belief that every moment of every day is uh -huh. good for some kind of talisman. It's, but it's yeah. just a matter of reading the astrological weather and, mm -hmm. uh, and matching the conditions to, to your intent. Yeah. And so that question that brings up for me is... Uh -huh is asking for the the diminishment of a thing the same as asking for the to not increase a thing like i don't even know if i'm asking that correctly but if the conditions indicate uh that a talisman of diminishment would work best could you dis diminish your poverty to increase your wealth does that make sense it does it does <laughs> Like if it's a if it if the talisman is about diminishing health, could you like right. diminish the health of your tumor to increase the health <laughs> oh, yeah. of the rest of your body? That, yeah, yeah, something like that. So yeah, in, if it's a talisman to slow the flow of rivers, because I use it to stop a nosebleed. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Oh, my beer oh, yeah. is nearly empty. It's cool. We'll um, we'll get some more. All right. Uh, Oh yeah, we should talk about beer too. I mean, okay, this is a podcast about beer and the occult. Oh, so, it is. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. You've never I didn't listened know, to my podcast. I, I'm so sorry. It's I okay. have not listened to your podcast. I'm horrible yeah. at listening uh, to podcasts. I, I'll uh, I'll I'll study up. You listen I get to this home. one. Yeah. <laughs> no, this will probably be the one I don't listen to. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm terribly uh, self-conscious about most things, and uh, yeah, I have. It um, must make it hard to be an artist. It, it is a little bit, but yeah. it, in terms of art, yeah, you just kind of have to suck it up and be like, here it is, and, yeah. and just kind of accept that there's going to be um, critique, as it were. But yeah, in terms of like magic stuff, mm -hmm. I don't really share with a whole lot of people that I'm yeah. interested in it. Uh, I grew up in, uh, in, the, in the South, in Virginia, and it is like 
strong Bible Belt country, and people would literally be shunned and oh, yeah. like that kind of thing. And so, like I've I've kind of kept it to myself, and so I I keep with that habit, even though it's more like. You know, uh, I'll take some tasters. How about um, uh, Complete Darkness and... Wait, is Oceana new? Yeah. Okay. By the way, you're on our podcast. Does it have any yes. fish in it? The Oceanic? Yeah, it, yeah no, it's all no. fish. <laughs> fish beer. <laughs> could, could I also get... Oh, I thought you were walking away. <laughs> I, I would love to get another reply off, please. Thank you so much. All right, cool. Oceana, yeah, and then if there's anything else exciting that I should try, I think. What was the? I think I've had everything else. <laughs> yeah, this is the cactus. Beer, Ouch! No. Sorry, oh. Oh, cool. Yeah, then oh. the cactus beer. All right. Okay. <laughs> I thought well, that was the same beer. Yeah. So this is the reply all. I. Yeah. I mean, it's um. It looked the same, Mm-mm. and so I was like, wait a minute, did I get? And I have to say, like, there's nothing. There's nothing in this that makes me think that there's a weird ingredient. Okay, like but, uh, cactus. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's good. Yeah, I know that girl. <laughs> Her name's Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, she volunteers just... at OMSI. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll edit that out. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, so, uh, what, examples good, of synchronicity a... get edited out? <laughs> okay, fine. I'll leave it in. Oh, you can edit it Magicians out. Magicians get synchronicities. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this beer, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's got kind of the... It's not as um, orange juicy as hazy mm-hmm. IPAs usually are, mm-hmm. and the hops are like really dry and bitter, mm-hmm. and I, I like that about it. And it's strong. It's seven point two percent. That's pretty strong for it. That's hazy. okay. I, I'm okay with the I'm strong okay beer. With it too. It's yeah. a Saturday. Like, what do we have to do? Exactly. Record a podcast. Be wizards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I already got rid of my stress today, so yeah, I'm celebrating. Hooray! Yeah. Hopefully, I passed my test. Cheers! Hooray! <laughs> Uh, delicious. But um, um, I think it's also kind of hot. Like, I can taste the booze a little bit, which I think is unusual in a hazy. Interesting. Um, I, I, yeah, I uh, am not familiar with uh, that term, but that makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that comes from wine. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Huh. But, uh, but, yeah, I like it. The, nice. So this is the third... Well, no, they've been doing a lot of hazies here recently, and a lot of them have ended up being really good. And okay. The, um, I think it's the totally chill. Like it tastes like the name. It is the <laughs> mellowest IPA. Like you drink it, like you're cucumber sort of like, flavors. It's it's orange juicy without being sharp. It's okay. like it kind of. I mean, it's just easy. It's an easy drinker. Nice, nice. And then the other, the strawberry milkshake IPA. Uh, they don't label it as a hazy, but it's a total <laughs> hazy IPA. That's really good. Is it, the strawberry milkshake descriptor how it looks or how it tastes? I think it might have strawberries in it. Uh, I don't know. Let's ask, let's ask our podcast right. guest. Yes. Hello. So we have a question about the strawberry milkshake IPA. Shoot. Does it have strawberries in it? Uh, strawberry puree. Oh. Uh, okay. So it's pink. Uh, no. No. Actually, no, it's, it's not. Uh, oh. It's kind of weird. Oh, okay. Cactus? Uh, cactus. Oh, wow. The cactus is pink. It's a prickly pear. Prickly pear. Okay. And then uh, Oceana and then the darkness. All right. Cool. Thanks. Okay. Great. No, thank you. Okay, let's Um, see. So, uh, do you make beer? I used to. Uh Um, I uh, I was never really good at making beer. This and this was really literally like twenty years ago. Oh wow! 
Um, like when I was in college, I brewed beer and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I graduated or changed into making mead, which is a much more forgiving, easier thing Water to do. Water and honey. Water and honey, yeah. and it's easy to ferment. And it ferments so strong that like nothing is going to take it over. Nice. I mean, mead, mead isn't easy to... Honey isn't easy to ferment, really, because it's uh, kind of antibacterial. Yeah. And there's uh, it doesn't have the complexity of nutrients that grain does. Right. So a lot of times when you make mead, you have to add, like, nutrient packs. Did you do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Last mead batch I tried, I didn't do that. It and was it, not so great. So what happens then is the fermentation gets stuck. Yeah. And there's no way, and it's hard to get it started again because, so anyhow, you use, like, a really strong yeast that can last a long time. Yeah. And, and my, my meads were good. Nice. Uh, they ended up really nice. Uh, and I think probably the last mead I made was probably 2004, though. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then lately I've been, you know, uh, Matt, co-host Matt, who lives up in Washington. I brew beer with him oh, when, nice. when I'm there. Yeah. So hopefully that's going to happen again soon. That's cool. That's, that's always fun to do. He's a super creative brewer, and he's brilliant. Like, he just he comes up with crazy stuff, and he's like, we're going to make, like, the last thing we did... Or maybe the second... Yeah, I think the last beer we made, it was a um, Twin Peaks-inspired beer. Inspired okay. beer. Uh, cherry pie and coffee. Yes. <laughs> it was a cherry pie, coffee, like, imperial stuff. That's awesome. We literally put two cherry pies into the beer. What? Just Like crust and all. Uh, crust Sa- and all. Sa- we, Safeway we, cherry pie? We just got, like, Safeway <laughs> cherry pies, and we put them into the beer, into the mash. Wow. Wow. Okay. How and, was and it? tons of coffee. I haven't tried it yet. Oh. So it ended up being, it, uh, I think it fermented out really, really well. So he bottled it and it wasn't carbonating. So I have a bottle that uh. I've been sitting on and waiting. Oh my God. And I talked to him every once in a while. I'm like, have you tried it? Is it carbonated yet? But also we made such a small batch. So there's, there's not a bunch of it. I think I might have the last bottle. I'm not sure. <laughs> but um, I'm really looking forward to trying it. Wow. Uh, yeah. It'll okay. be good. I enjoy making beer myself. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I uh, my most recent batch was a, a dark IPA, uh-huh. and I have like I don't know six or seven bottles left of that. Like a CDA, CDA, Cascadian Dark Ale. I'm not. Black I don't know. IPA. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Basically, uh-huh. I, don't, I haven't had that beer, so I can't say. It's but. a style. Oh, it was really big for. Then a I guess of years. yes. Oh, that's yeah. that's what I'm doing. Dark I didn't know it was a whole <laughs> style, but yeah. So a dark uh, IPA that uh-huh. I thought was really good, and before that, I made a uh, an English bitter, so an ESB. Oh man, those that are was, good. I love yeah. those. Yeah, yeah. Those are awesome food beers. Too, I love right? making beer. Yeah, and uh, I have a batch of uh, blackberry wine that's uh-huh. been going since December. It's still fermenting. Are you kidding? No. Wow. Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, what? And I like, it's in the glass carboy. There's still bubbles coming up, and it's still effervescing. Wow. So, yeah. Gonna, well, you can make it sparkling. <laughs> I, I could, Have you I tested guess. it to see how much sugar's left in it or anything? I haven't, yeah. yeah. I've only racked it once, too, okay. so. I'm going to try the prickly pear beer. Okay, cactus, go. Oh, it smells weird. Oh, yeah? Does it smell like, like a cactus? It, uh, or it flowers? That, yeah. I feel like... I mean, I've smelled that smell before. It reminds me of... It reminds me of, like, dandelion wine smell. Oh, interesting. Or watermelon, maybe? Like ca- like cactus fruit? Like the actual pads sometimes taste like you watermelon. Will, this will be a familiar flavor to you. That totally tastes like... It totally tastes like a... A vegetably wine, almost. Oh, and the oh, and the aftertaste. That is a strange. That's an odd one. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel the aftertaste is like. What do you call that flavor? It's I don't like, know. It's like sucking on a marble. Like it tastes like glass. 
no, or that's something. Not right. Yeah, it's a really light body Minerally, to it. kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's an interesting beer. I'm mm. kind of glad I didn't get a whole pint of it, but <laughs> you probably should get three. Yeah. <laughs> the first one's terrible, but after that, it's great. Okay. Uh, so, have you ever, have you ever made astrologically timed beer? You know, I have not. So, yeah, for all my uh, all my beer making, all my wine making, I have not yet. I have given homemade wine as offerings to various spirits, but uh-huh. I have not actually brewed with specific timing. Uh, have you thought of doing that? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I've thought about it, but I just, uh, I have found that the, the opportunity to make these things uh, outweighs sometimes the, the propitious astrological weather. It's true, and brewing takes forever. So Sometimes, yeah. Which ti- oh, you probably want to time the pitching of the yeast. Right, yeah, yeah. well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- when it's born, so to speak, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, the beginning. Ooh, there that, we go. That's what you would time. So, yeah, what you could do is make a, is a, have an image that you slap on the carboy. Yeah. And then pitch it at just the right time. <laughs> you can do some interesting stuff with that. Venus yeah. beer would be amazing. Yeah, sure. Uh, any of them would be great. Yeah. yeah. Um... Jupiter so would probably enjoy a beer as well. Jupiter beer would be the best. Yeah? You have to be an Imperial. Of course. Sure. <laughs> Saturn Stout, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. What would Mars be? Red uh, Ale? That's too obvious. Is it too obvious? Maybe. Or some weird flavor? Something spicy or... Oh, yeah. What about like a... Cinnamon a, or something? A, a chili beer? Chili, yeah. 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 <laughs> still be red. It should still be red. Well, you know, I think you've got a good book idea. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Astrological brewing. So which one is this? This was the Oceana Double IPA. That, okay, yeah. It doesn't smell anything like fish. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That uh, is just... Share, sharing that one, too? Classic. Yeah, you, sh- you should try these. Classic uh, Hopworks IPA style. Yeah, that's good. That's nice. Nicely balanced hops. It tastes... Oh, nice dry finish. It's, it's almost like yeah. a Pilsner, but with more body to it. It's like yeah. it's like a, a, a Pilsner kind of look and taste and feel, but a, but a brandy wine kind of sweetness to yeah, it. Yeah, it's interesting. It says that it's 7.8% alcohol. I, yeah, I uh, think so. I don't think that it tastes as boozy as this one does, <laughs> so, as, the, um, as the reply all. I'm sorry, you can't point on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. Yeah, just no one can hear it. <laughs> um, okay, and then uh, last but not least is the Complete Darkness. I've been really looking forward to this. So this is a CDA. Okay. Uh, and it's an Imperial CDA. So this I don't even eight. see Complete Darkness on the thing. It's number 12. Number, oh, there it is. Yeah. Um, so okay. uh, 8.5. I know. It I says know. there. So CDA, I guess maybe the listeners don't know what that is. It's because they, 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 they were in style for a, a few years. Probably... Uh, 2008 to 2012, they were really popular, uh, and they're basically uh, <laughs> the thin years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> An IPA made with um, dark malts. Okay, so yeah, and that's what I made uh, last. Yeah. yeah, it's one of my favorite styles. Oh, nice. And I'm really sad that it went out of fashion. Um, I remember, I think it was probably 2010 or 2009 when uh, there's a brewery festival down in Eugene. Okay. Where um, it was sponsored by a radio station. It was like KLCC or something, and they um, they basically 
randomly chose a style and randomly chose a yeast, and they're like, everybody, we're making a Belgian-style CDA. <laughs> and it was the weirdest combination, but those beers were so good. Oh, they nice. were dark, super hoppy, yeah. and like filled with weird-ass Belgian esters and flavors and stuff. Oh, like, wow. So it was, it was all a, yeasty and kind of... Oh, yeah. Of, it yeah. hit like every single weird taste bud that you... Taste buds you didn't even know you had. Whoa. You're sort of like, what the hell is... And some of them were amazing, but... They weren't very popular, so a lot of them stayed on, stayed around for a long time, which I loved because ah. you could go around to like different breweries in Eugene and even some in Portland where and they, they have, still had it. They are, they had it for a long time, and then they everybody ran out. Nobody made it again. Are you familiar with a Canadian beer called La Fin de Monde? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is, oh, man. Was it similar to that or darker than that? It was darker. It was dark yeah. like this. Oh, okay, and, but nice. It also was hoppy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's really yeasty, and yeah, it's uh, like a classic oh, Belgian kind of thing. Mm. Oh, this smells great. Yeah. Oh, man, it's got like... And it's funny because mm. uh, dark malts and hops kind of hit the same bitter notes sometimes, mm-hmm. right? So with this, you get kind of like... Like the hops have... I don't know how to describe the way they interact, but you definitely get like chocolatey yeah, coffee yeah. notes and then... Yeah, yeah. And, and then kind of flowers or something? This uh, this one has uh, t- similar uh, flavors as a stout to me. Yeah. And the one thing about the stout, the, I guess it's the bitterness, I'm not sure, but there's something about that specific flavor reminds me of soy sauce a little bit, which... Umami. Uh, oh. That's the name of the flavor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you come on a pod- <laughs> podcast, learn how to talk about weird flavors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought umami was something else. I thought that that was more... Like a wabi sabi kind of thing, but what's wabi sabi? Wabi sabi is beauty, beauty in imperfection. Oh no, umami is like a, um, it's like a savory flavor that isn't uh, necessarily covered by things like herbal or salty. It's like a, it's the flavor in soy sauce. Okay. And um, okay. yeah, I think that's how I've thought of it. Maybe I'm wrong, but when yeah, you were talking about the stout, I was like, yeah. Sometimes stouts can have that. I feel like you get that a lot out of Belgian yeast also. But huh. in here, there's definitely a little... Yeah, I can see some umami in there. Nice, nice. Okay. Yeah. And I could be crazy, too. So You yeah. know, um, I hate to break it to you, but I think everybody who spends as much time with the Picatrix is probably a little crazy. <laughs> a little crazy, yeah. That's okay. I'll be crazy. That's, I don't mind it. Should we do another... Let's do another card. Okay, okay. Do you, how do you want to do it? Uh, pick one randomly. Okay, here we go. I'll shuffle okay. the deck. All right. Uh, a little, little side. Oh, wait. Let's take the, the little take LPW out of there. That little white book. And, yeah, and then we'll do this. A little shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. And then we span them out. Hi. No, no. This is something else. This, this is, is uh, uh, insane person cards. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> these, are, these are all... Uh, astrological images from an, an ancient Arabic book called the Picatrix. Yeah. They yeah. have some poetry and about he, he each of a, the... He made all the cards. Each of the zodiac <laughs> faces, there's three for each sign. And so uh, I made uh, collages based on the description out of this book. Yeah. yeah. So it's, based, it's ancient uh, Arabic uh, sky magic. So yeah. this is like before the astrological chart. That's no, after. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, they were, they were, uh, they did theirs a long time before these guys did this. Yeah, this is yeah. more like, um, what, the Picatrix is what, like 10th century? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. and the Indian stuff that's a 
Geotis, Geotish. Geotish, yeah. Uh, and they were... Uh, research on the Trillium constellation. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not familiar with that. Uh, Alright, so the Nazca lines, like you see that, that yeah. bird everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Cygnus is the constellation. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. okay. Trillium is three stars within that. I'm okay. A, I'm a conspiracy nerd. Yeah, nice. Thing, so. The Illuminati. <laughs> yeah. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Egypt, the uh, Giza Plateau, you know, your three pyramids, they always said it was lighting up in Orion's belt. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard but that one. Recent but... research, uh, the first two do, but the third does not. It's a little off. Uh-huh. But when you compare it with the uh, the graveyard in the southeast and the temple of birds in the uh, northwest, uh, it perfectly aligns to the Cygnus constellation. Well, it oh, doesn't surprise wow. me. The the Egyptians were obsessed with with specific stars. You know, yeah. like their year uh, their year began uh, when Sirius had what's called the heliacal rising. It's basically yeah. when when Sirius is visible above the constellation before the sunrise. Yeah. That's when the year starts. So yeah. The, cool the Deccan named like, Sultis. Yes. Uh, yeah. If you're standing at the graveyard, you're looking at the pyramids. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, uh, the, the Trillium constellation sets over the pyramids perfectly. Nice. Oh. It's, it's nice. You've I done this. See You've seen now. it? No, no. Uh, no. I'm but on YouTube. And YouTube. I'm on YouTube. Yeah. Hey, thanks. All right, so let's see. We got the second face of Gemini. It's. It's Horus. It's Horus hunting. Okay, so you yeah. got three masks in cages along the bottom. Yeah. Above them, you've got a a very, very, very muscly man. <laughs> yeah. With a bow and arrow. Yeah. And he's wearing a crown. It's like a war crown, though. Yeah. And he has a hawk head. An eagle's head, yeah. Yeah. So, it's interesting that this would be Gemini, because that bow and arrow totally is Sag. Well, there's a few. There's a there's a few uh, Deccans that are described as uh, the image has a bow and arrow. This uh-huh. out of Sagittarius. So there's one that I'm convinced is related to Apollo. Uh huh. And but this oh, one I'm not sure sense. yet. Yeah, Apollo, yeah. and also the moon, Artemis. Oh right, would have right, had right. A But the attributes also. of this one are uh, Mars in yeah. in Gemini. So you know, as a as a weapon, as a martial right, right. instrument, yeah, that makes some sense. I love the the faces in cages because they look kind of like spooky masks from a scary film. Yeah, like yeah. their mouths look like they're stitched shut. So uh, I was trying to make um, faces out of magazines, basically into uh-huh. skulls. Okay. So yeah, so oh, yeah, the cool. eyes oh, are yeah. cut out, the nose is cut right, out right, in like right. an upside down heart shape to and be like those, sinuses. So it's not stitches; those are the teeth. Right, right, right. right. I see, like a. Yeah, like a almost like a, a stylized skull. Right. Cool. Exactly. Right. Let's yeah. see what Dan says. <laughs> Go, Dan. Book two, chapter eleven. Uh, book two, chapter eleven. Yeah. Um, second face of Gemini. Virgo, Leo, Cancer, Gemini. Uh, oh, weird. They're all in one paragraph for Gemini. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. The second face of Gemini is red. Oh, we didn't say it. This card is red. Yeah. That's cool. And it is made thus. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You're in book three. So, uh, yeah, you have to go to book two. So, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because I referenced book three, the colors of the Deccans, when I made these cards. So, I would toggle between the two of them. Okay. Book two told me what the form was. Book three would tell me what the predominant color should be. So, there was a... um, There was a... 
uh, recipe there. Right, yeah. Oh, that's to make the dye, the, to make the ink. Oh. Because in theory, you're you're going to make your Deccan talisman in that color, and so it tells you how to make that color ink. This sounds like really healthy ink. Yeah. The second face of Gemini cinnabar. is red, and it is made from arsenic and cinnabar. Perfect. Mix them yeah. together. <laughs> sure. Do not sniff, do not drink, do Taste not lick it. your fingers. See if it's done. <laughs> Uh, the second face of in the second face of Gemini ascends a man whose face is similar to an eagle, yeah. and his head is covered by a linen cloth. He is covered and equipped with lead chainmail, and on his head is an iron helmet, above which is a silken crown, with a bow and arrows in his hand. This is the face of oppression, evils, and subtleties. This is its form. Yeah. Okay. So the the uh, skulls in the cages that's they're being oppressed. Yeah. Okay, I see that. <laughs> yeah. And it, the red against red of his crown is hard to see, but there's a, a cloth crown. I can over see that the, too. Okay, yeah. so then the crown you kind of had the crown being the linen covering or the cloth. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah because, I don't have a linen covering really. Yeah. Um, lead chainmail. Yeah, I didn't put chainmail on there either. I can't imagine lead chainmail being at all useful. Super heavy. And everything would cut through it. Lead's freaking soft. It's like wearing gold chainmail. All right. According to uh, the We're Knocking Greer version, there yeah. rises in the second face of Gemini a, fa- a man whose face is like an eagle, and his head is covered by a linen cloth. He is clothed and protected by a coat of leaden mail. And on his head is an iron helmet, above which is a silk crown. And in his hand he has a bow and arrows. This is a face of oppression, evils, and subtlety. This is his form. That's a really busy image, um, because the dude's head has a lot of shit going on, yeah. right? Yeah. First of all, it's an eagle. Yep. It's got a crown. It's got a le- linen a, cover. A cloth, then a crown, and then, then a, silk, a cloth or a silk, silk crown. crown. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of stuff going on in that. And, and I almost thought to make this just the guy's head. Yeah. But then I didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, I can imagine. Well, you put you you know like you were saying like the the faces yeah. down at the bottom, which aren't mentioned in the description. Like yeah. that was something that you must have just been like, I need this to be yeah. in there. Yeah. 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 I love that they're in cages and stuff. That's a it's a powerful image. Oh, thank you. Yeah. He's standing on them. He's, uh, yeah, overpowering them. So you spent so much time with all of these images. Did you get an idea of where they might have come from? I see some uh, echoes of, like, Greek mythology, and I suspect that they draw from a bunch of other mythologies, like Hindu and Greek uh-huh. and others as well. <clears throat> um, the first face of Virgo, actually... Is uh, is one that I got that uh, that idea from first. A virgin and, girl covered yeah. in an old soft linen cloth, holding a pomegranate in her hand. Oh, yes, it's uh, Persephone. Correct. Right. Or that's that's my interpretation as well. Right. The pomegranate's right. a big clue. So, uh, and that's what made me led me to believe that yeah, all these are probably mythological based. And there she is. Oh, wow. So in this one, yeah, I have a small uh, head that I have as Persephone there. Her eyes are cut out and her nose is cut out to make her a skull face, kind of. Yeah. But she's the queen of the underworld. Right, right. And then there's a pomegranate under her. And she's, I have a a black uh, felt cloth kind of folded up over her. And it's fringy at the bottom, which is half covering an anatomical skull. And then... Uh, Two eyeless faces with plants growing out of them. Correct, and those are those are mint. 
Oh. So those are mint sprigs, and then there's a bunch of mint leaves at the bottom under these faces. And why, mint. Why mint? Mint is. Um, so I've been doing a bunch of experiments with the Grimorium Barum and uh -huh. playing a bunch with, um, yeah, go goetic magic and. Mint is one of the three asperging herbs. So wow. in that grimoire, there is, um, you, you bless everything with a, uh, sprinkling water on them and use an asperger that's uh -huh. made of mint, marjoram, and rosemary. And so mint is one of the, one of the asperging herbs. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And, okay. And so, you know, Persephone, Underworld, and, the, and mint, uh, that all fit together in my head. Also, uh, mint was growing actively in my garden at the at the time I made this you image. You get rid of some of it. So I was just like, oh, I, need, I need something green. I need something growing in right. there. So, That's interesting. So yeah. then sometimes in some of these cards, you had uh, you had imagery that came in or stuff that came in. In fact, in both the ones we just saw, you had imagery that sort of came to you that wasn't written out in the book yeah. or even things that were inspired from like outside sources. Yeah. So you have... And I, I mean, I guess I've seen this, you know, I, I spent some time with the deck and sometimes you'll come across a card and you'll read the description and you'll be like, what was going on here? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I feel like uh, it's great. There are secrets in the deck that people who are studying it are going to unfold over time. Like they're going to get a better insight into what's going on in your mind. Shucks, that is uh, that, that's really gratifying to hear. That's that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I mean, I yeah. really enjoy that about it. Um, you know, for me, when I've done image work, you know, I'm a horrible artist. I can't draw a horse. Um, I, I can't either. That's why I cut one out of paper. Yeah. <laughs> I think I could do that. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Maybe next time. <laughs> but um, but it's great to see. Like, I love seeing artists who do creative stuff with. I love seeing magicians at all who do creative stuff with images and don't get stuck in this whole like I've got to be a master jeweler this has to be made out of bronze and and carved in the exact thing like yeah. like the images are meant to be you know they have to be an expression of you not everybody yeah. gets the same image sure yeah. and uh, and I think that that's a really important thing to to pay attention to and the fact that you've like put this out there and been like this is my vision of it I think can also really show where the images might have come from. Like, maybe this was originally Persephone, and maybe the first dude, or woman, first, guy, first person who came up with this image taught a student. Like, this is an image of Persephone, and that yeah. student was like, it's Persephone, but also, or it's Persephone, but, and maybe over time, these images got passed down from teacher to student until somebody wrote them down. Yeah. That would yeah. be my, I would, I would suspect that that's the case. Because especially when you look in other uh, sources for images, it's hard to tell what's going on. They're yeah. sort of like, this image is a scorpion riding a horse, and the horse right. is riding an alligator, and the <laughs> yeah. alligator is playing the flute. And you're like, oh. what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the mystery of stuff and, like, trying to explore all the little nooks and crannies of potential meaning, yeah, that's that's highly valuable to me. Yeah, yeah I, I, like I that really like that. Uh, and I love that you've continued the tradition. So yeah. there are going to be people in the future who have a deck of Picatrix decking cards, but not the Picatrix. My fingers are <laughs> crossed. One can only hope that, well, uh, totally that I've made some kind of contribution to the understanding of the whole thing. You absolutely have. You know, yeah. just the fact that you've spent this much time at the Picatrix yeah. and done stuff. I mean, we're, we're all looking forward to your Picatrix beer. Yeah. Beer-catrix. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, yeah, this is cool. Can we do. We should do one more card. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm yeah. enjoying this a lot. Okay, how about this? I'll hand it to you, and okay. then you pick the next one. How about I'll shuffle? Yeah. Yeah, and when oh wait, are you fanning out for me to pick? Heck yeah! Uh, Wabi Sabi, I picked this one. All right, there, oh there Ooh. you go, that's a good one. Oh, that's a cool one. The third, third face, face of Libra. Libra. This one I think also has uh, uh, Greek mythological overtones, but let's uh, let's talk about it first. I mean, this is a crazy card. It's well, the first thing about it is, in, in contrast to all the other cards we've looked at, it's got this kind of like snow background, like uh, it's yeah. white. White, yeah. Um, and it's got, let's see, in the lower left-hand corner, there's like a woman's face that's also a very angry dog face. <laughs> uh, you've got a man sleeping on a donkey. Yeah. You've got two guys with red eyes yeah. staring at the man sleeping on the donkey. Yeah. And then you've got sort of the main feature of the card is a, a skinless head yes. with a star in its forehead. Yeah. Uh, and then you also have a woman shooting a snake out of her eyeball, and it looks like she might have burns. <laughs> or maybe, yeah. But she totally is shooting a snake out of her eyeball. So there's a lot going on in this card right yeah. away. You're sort of like, that's that's busy. So this card had uh, two influences, okay. actually. So there was. So I was also referencing another book as I was making this uh, deck oh, and book? these artworks, and that is uh, Austin Kopik's Thirty Six Faces. Oh. Are you familiar with that book? Uh, I haven't heard of it, and I think everybody's heard of Austin Kopik. He's <laughs> uh, he's definitely a famous traditional astrologer. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he put out a book about the the Deccans. And I was uh, also referencing that as, as along with the Picatrix. I, I tried to, I not tried to, but I did veer more toward the Picatrix, but I, I read his interpretations as well, as well uh -huh. and kind of uh, let some of that seep in. And this, this card actually exemplifies some of that. So um, oh, yeah, third face of Libra, and what does uh, Atel tell us about that? In the third face of Libra, ascends a man riding upon an ass and a wolf is before him okay yeah yeah this is the face that's all this is the face of evil works sodomites adultery songs rejoicing and flavors right this is its form yeah so you've got all right you got the two men together i guess those could be sodomites awesome. the man riding <laughs> that's an not ass. how i thought about that but that's, that's funny <laughs> the, the man riding an ass i mean he Wait, are his legs bent backwards? Yeah. His legs are bent backwards and he's riding an ass. Yeah. And and yeah, he's he's laying down <laughs> in a drunken stupor on the back of the donkey. And I believe that that's a plush donkey. It's not a real donkey. Wait, a flesh donkey? No, Wait, plush. It's like a oh, stuffed plush. donkey. Oh, no, no, no. It's a picture of a, an actual donkey. Yeah. Is it a, oh, it is an actual donkey. Plush, yeah, okay. Not I see. flesh. Yeah. Uh, Austin Kopik in 36 Faces uh -huh. says that this is the, the, the tone, the flavor of this face is about balance. Uh -huh. And so that's why this face here is in a meditative gesture. Right. He's got the star at the third eye the and then the, the background has two triangles which meet at the point. Uh -huh. So that's my, that's my balance there. 
And then the guy uh, drunken on the back of a donkey. I think this is an image about Bacchus or Salinas. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Because isn't the donkey kind of important to? Yeah, Bacchus? yeah. There's a whole yeah. thing about like Salinas leading Bacchus, and Bacchus is all like passed out, drunk on the back of a donkey. And then what about the wolf? I'm not sure about the wolf yet. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. There's so much. Yeah. There's so much in here. Like, I mean, the, the, one of the things that's uh, intimidating about uh, the Deccans is yeah. there's 36 of them, yeah. and you have to like, and there's so much going on with them, and it's weird. Like, uh, I know that they've got names, but right. uh, the the Picatrix doesn't name them, right. and it's sort of hard to find the names. I think the Agrippa might name them. I, uh, I can't remember if Agrippa does, but Crowley did. And yeah. Crowley was uh, pulling from ancient Egyptian uh, names okay, I know that for the, the Deccans. Yeah, the Egyptians love the Deccans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, um, Jake's, uh, yeah, Jake Stratton Kent. Yeah, I have a hurry for beer. Um, <laughs> he, he mentions the Egyptian names of, uh-huh. of the Deccans as well. And,. Yeah, about the significance of Sothis, and and that that's where I got that from. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I I I'm sad that I misplaced your deck. I mean, I know I'm gonna find it. It's somewhere. Oh yeah, in my it's house. there. It's in. There. It's I probably just, still in your bag. You know what? It probably is still in my bag. <laughs> well, I took it somewhere to, to show people recently, so oh, yeah. it probably oh. is still in my bag. Oh. I just didn't reach deep enough. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, you, you'll find it. No sweat. Yeah. And I have more to sell, so, yeah. That's true, yeah. Uh, well, actually, let's talk about that. Like, okay. You, yeah, well, you've got a website, right? I do, yeah. What, um, where, where is it? Well, let's see. Uh, how do, So I have an artist website that's uh, abnormalimage.com. Abnorm- okay, abnormalimage.com. Yep, I've, I've not done a great job keeping it updated, uh, uh-huh. but by the time this podcast comes out, maybe I will. Wednesday? Uh, oh, uh, no, no, it, uh, yeah, it's a little behind uh, being updated. <laughs> um, and let's see, I have a blog. Uh-huh. It's uh, moonlithermit at blogspot.com, yeah. or it's slash, I guess it is, not at. Right. Yeah, moonlithermit.blogspot.com. Yeah. yeah, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Okay, awesome. And then you sell these through your Etsy. Through page. an Etsy, yep. Okay. And that is uh, Jay Swafford Art and Photography, Art and, and Photo. And it's just the letter J. Correct. My like, full first yeah. name is the letter J. Yeah, yeah. 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 Those were some uh, hardworking namers. Your yeah. Parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it was a compromise between my parents. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My father is uh, James Oscar the third. And he wanted me to be James Oscar the fourth. Uh-huh. And I, and my mom apparently was like, no, no, no. He's got to have his own name. And so they compromised and they named me J.O. So my middle name is O. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah. My full first name is the letter J. My full middle name is the letter O. It's well, been a mixed blessing. It's I enjoy the compromise. Yeah. I enjoy it for its novelty, but uh, I can't file my taxes online uh, because the government's like, we don't want an initial. We want your whole name. Uh, and that's all I got. So, well, uh, yeah. So I guess you could have it changed to J-A-Y, and then your middle name could be O-H. I, I guess I could, but at this point... You know, I'm in my 40s, so I'm just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm stuck with it. That's good enough. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, thank you very much for being yeah. on the podcast. Absolutely. I, uh, yeah. I've sure. been wanting to have you on to talk about some of this stuff since we since we first met. And yeah. um, anytime, just, shoot, yeah. talk about cool. all this stuff. I know. I know. There's 
Yeah, now we're going to talk about secret stuff. Okay. So, uh, so bye, audience. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to My Alchemical Bromance. You can find us on the web at myalchemicalbromance.com. You can find us on Stitcher and iTunes and YouTube and uh, maybe Spotify. You can support us if you'd like to. In fact, we would love for you to support us through the Arnamancy Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes or on the website. It's patreon.com slash Arnamancy for just a buck a month. Uh, tune in next time and see you soon. <laughs>